0: Okay.
1: That sounds so good. Yay. I can't wait. We'll have to start a book club for this one. Yeah, warning received.
0: But I I mean, I really liked Convenience Store Woman, so I'm going to give it a shot.
1: It's not Convenience Store Woman Part Two. Good. good. I
0: I heard you loud and clear, Liz. Loud and clear. All
2: right.
1: Good, good. All right.
2: Welcome to Keep It Fictional a weekly podcast for book lovers, by book lovers. Build your to-be-read list with Sadie, Liz, Virginia, Fiona, and Corrine from the Port Moody Public Library. Warning, this podcast contains strong opinions and may cause an increase in your library holds list.
1: Hello, everyone. The
0: crinkle of crisp leaves, pumpkin spice in the air, cuddly sweaters, a warm cup of Earl Grey and a mug in your hands, and most importantly, the biggest book release season of the year. I am, of course, talking about everyone's favorite season, fall. Welcome to the Keep It Fictional podcast by the Port Moody Public Library, where today we are going to talk all new fall releases. We're going to be talking about the titles that we are most looking forward to, from our favourite authors to brand new debuts. And we're each going to talk about the five top books that we are most looking forward to. We are joined as ever by our fellow readers, Fiona, Virginia, Liz and Sadie, who also can't wait for fall. But I notice who isn't wearing a cuddly sweater.
2: I know it's, it's too warm outside. I just, I can't, I can't yet. I want it to be fall so bad, but I just cannot quite get into the, the fall mood when next week is supposed to be 27 degrees out. It's just.
0: If you love fall enough, <laughs> you will be able to wear the sweater.
2: But part of why I love fall is the cold crisp air, which it's not here. Sorry. Right, Virginia? It's just, it's yeah. not happening yet.
3: The people really like fall Knows, exactly. We don't want to fake it with our sweaters.
2: Yeah. <laughs> we can be not patient. Here. We can be, we can, yeah. To wait for fall that true patient. fall experience. That's right. Fall is patient. Not fall is here. kind. Fall is kind. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> fall is cold. Yeah. Fall is crisp.
0: That aside, this is actually going to be a very special fall in the book world because all of the books that were supposed to be published early in the year, a lot of them have been pushed back to this fall. So it's looking to be maybe the biggest book release in fall, maybe ever.
3: So exciting.
0: It's very exciting. Yeah, you've got the the pleasure of all the books that were delayed coming out now, and then all the new stuff that was already planned for this year that you're going to be able to get your hands on. So choosing five was difficult, but we've all tried to choose some that are from our favorite authors and a little bit of authors that we maybe haven't read before. So to kick us off, we are going to turn over to Fiona and Fiona. I want to know what is your favorite thing about fall and what is your first book?
4: Oh, you just threw that question on me. There's so many great things about fall. Um, I think going to the pumpkin patch or like picking apples, being with the vegetables and fruits
2: growing. is my favorite okay.
4: part of fall.
2: Every time I go to the pumpkin patch, I am as excited, if not more excited than every single child that is there.
4: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you're still doing the like, oh, but this one's nice, too. Can we get five pumpkins? Is that too many?
2: No, it is not too many, (laughs) Fiona. It is never too many pumpkins. All
4: right. (laughs) Well, I'm excited for the pumpkins. And I'm also super excited for all the great books coming out this fall. So many. So the first one I chose is Charming as a Verb uh, by Ben Felipe. And this is his second YA novel. I don't really know like too much about it, but Ben Felipe, I believe he was born in Montreal to um, Haitian parents, and he just has this really like sassy voice that I enjoy. So I'm looking forward to kind of having more of that in this book. And I'm going to read a little bit of the blurb. Uh, So charming as a verb is about Henry Halterwanger, who can charm just about anyone. He is a star debater and a popular student at the prestigious. Fate Academy. The dutiful first generation Haitian son and the trusty dog walker for his wealthy New York neighbors. But his easy smile uh, masks a burning ambition to his, attend his dream school, Columbia University. Uh and it sounds like there's going to be another uh classmate who is described as intense, whose name is Kareem. Yeah, not you, but the other Kareem. So, you know, that's great. Um and it sounds like she is uh, she is going to blackmail him and they're going to have some sort of relationship develop. Whether that's just negative or positive, I guess I will find out. Um, so very excited for that one. Um, I've got another YA that I am so excited for, and I might spend a bit more time on this one, because uh, it's my, the one I'm most looking forward to. It is called Punching the Air by Ibi Zaboy and Youssef Salam. Um, so this is a novel written in verse. Uh, about a young man who is wrongfully accused and incarcerated. And it is about how art and poetry get him through that process and sort of save his life. But what's uh, really fascinating about it is that uh, the co-writer Yusef Salam, the lead character is uh, somewhat based on him. Uh, Yusef Salam was one of the Central Park Five who were wrongfully accused um, and then spent years in prison. So he's now a big anti or a, a big advocate for improving um, the justice system and lives for incarcerated youth. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to that. I'm excited that it's a novel in verse. Uh, because Sometimes it's nice to have that just like where it goes quickly. You can read through it, but it's just like such a an important topic that I feel like, it will be very engaging, even if it is a bit of a quick read.
0: That's awesome. Thank you, Fiona. Those both look like great titles. All right. Next up is me. And I am (laughs) going to talk about the first book that... I was actually most attracted to the cover, and then I realized that it is an author that I have recently started following um, because of Space Obaly, is P. Uh Clark, who wrote The Haunting of Tram Car015, and his new book with like the most amazing cover, I think, of the fall, which is his ring shout. So it is 1915, and the Birth of the Nation movie has just come out. If you're not familiar with that film, don't bother. Uh, Look up the Wikipedia article, because it is awful. Um, It's essentially uh, Cecil B. DeMille's uh, racist... I don't even know. Thesis? It's his thesis. It's a horrible movie. But I love that T.J. Clark is taking it and giving it like a little bit of a supernatural twist. So in this book, what happens is when the movie comes out, it kind of casts a spell over America. And it kind of increases people's interest in the Ku Klux Klan. So they start joining it. So there's a little bit of a magical element to that. And it's kind of encouraging all the white people to think like their darkest, most evil thoughts. And across the nation, they're starting to to do their rides, spreading fear and violence among the vulnerable. And their ultimate plan is to bring hell to earth. But standing in their way is Maurice Boudreau and her fellow resistance fighters, a foul-mouthed sharpshooter and a Harlem hell. Fighter. And so armed with blade, bullet, and bomb, they are going to hunt their hunters and send the clans demons straight back to hell. It sounds great. I I love the world building that he does in his books. Each one of them is like a very complete world. This is looking to be another novella. It's about 160 pages, so quite short. So perfect for like a weekend read where you want to get a little bit of a supernatural and a little bit of a think. And So I'm going to pass it on to Virginia. So Virginia, what is your favorite part about fall and what's your book?
3: You should tell us first. What is your favorite part about fall? You haven't said that yet. Oh, uh,
0: it's the clothes. The clothes. I finally feel warm because <laughs> I'm always cold. So fall is the only time that I feel warm.
3: Okay, Sure favorite part of fall is probably the crisp air and that it is no longer hot you I just guess.
0: hate summer you
3: just I hate do summer. I do I can't wait for it to go away um so that sounds amazing that book I have that on my list Corinne, that sounds like a great one. I'll I'll go start with the book that I've been looking forward to for like a whole year already. Um, So this is The Trouble with Peace by Joe Abercrombie. I will read anything that Joe writes. I don't care what it is. I will read anything, anything. He's one of those authors that I know it's going to take me some time to f- read because I like to really sit and enjoy every single word and every single sentence that comes out of him because he's just amazing. Like we're talking about like reading out loud last week. This is one of those writers I feel like I always have to like read his sentence out loud because it is so good. Um, but anyway, this is the second book in the series and it is a uh, it's an int- it is a it's a fantasy so does a fantasy but at least in the first book is it's almost not a fantasy because uh, magic plays very little part in it. it exists because it talks about a world where the industrial revolution has come and so there's new wealth new class of people new powers and all this industry all this commerce all of that is disrupting like the world that they know which is full of sort of magic and all that and so just everything is being replaced in some way so there's a lot of like people who are exploiting what's happening and then there's also people who are fighting against it um so that's kind of the world that it is but i think with most of his books it's all about the characters like he writes really really good characters in this new series all the characters are tied to or they're family members of characters from his previous series and they are trying to make their mark on this world. Everything is evolving, everything is changing, and it's everything is very messy. Um, and he writes grimdark fantasy, so it's Bruto is Grady is intense stuff. Um, so it's not for everybody, um, but I enjoy every single thing that he does. So I cannot wait, cannot wait for this one to come out. Um, and and I was told I'm allowed to give a little shout out. The other book, of course, that is coming out, the other sequel is Brendan Sanderson, Rhythm of War for A Book in the Stormlight Archive. I'm waiting for this another thousand pages of goodness. I binge read that series just a couple of years ago, so I'm pretty new to the series, but I just just can't wait. A thousand pages? Oh, oh, those 3,000 pages went by so quickly. Ooh, it was guess,
0: so fast. So I guess if, if you're looking for like a new series to pick up over the long weekend and you really want to stick to that long theme, um, that might be a series that you could pick up. It just flies by. It's fine. <laughs> so, okay. All right. Next, we move over to Liz. So Liz, what is your favorite part about fall and what is your first book for us?
1: My favorite part about fall, I think I'd have to agree with you, Corrine, It's the fashion or even just not so much the fashion, but being able to wear my big fuzzy reading socks in the house um, all the time, 24 seven, and just be in total comfort. So to me, that is a wonderful thing that I really look forward to Yeah, reading socks. I really recommend those. Um, And you may want to read those, uh, wear those rather, while you're reading this book called Leave the World Behind and it's by Ruman Alam. And so this book caught my attention, uh, not just because of the sort of soothing cover, which seems contradictory to uh, the plot, um, but also the plot itself, which seems very uh, timely and sort of like a sociological look at um, what happens when two families who are strangers to each other are forced together under trying circumstances. So the premise of the story is that a couple takes their family out to a vacation home on Long Island. They're escaping New York City and looking to get away, have a little bit of R&R and a bit of luxury. But a late night knock on the door brings a couple named Ruth and G.H. And they happen to own the house. They have been renting the house to this couple from the city. But now the owners have arrived in the middle of this vacation, and they're in a panic. So what they are telling uh, this couple who's vacationing is that something catastrophic has happened. So TV and internet are down. There's no cell phone service. Basically, communication is cut off. And now the four of them are in this rural area, and the couple is wanting to stay in their own home. So they're not evicting the vacationers, um, but they've said, you know, Can we all just stay here together and ride this out, whatever this may be? So the publisher says that this book, Leave the World Behind, is suspenseful and provocative and keenly attuned to the complexities of parenthood, race, and class. So if this lives up to its billing, then I'm really looking forward to this sort of sociological look um, at how different people come together or maybe tear each other apart within a time of crisis
0: that sounds really spooky
1: right up right up my alley yeah yeah
0: maybe not yours
1: no no (laughs) all right let you know
0: (laughs) yeah 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 Yeah. let me know if it's a cream book or if it's not a cream book (laughs) All right, next we move over to Sadie who cannot wait for fall. Sadie, what is your favourite part about fall and what book are you going to grace us with first?
2: There are honestly too many things to pick about fall that I love. Like if I could take what each of you have said, I, I love the, the clothes, I love the scarves, I love the sweaters. Um, alternate what you said, Corrine, I am always hot. And so the fall and winter is the one time where I can put on sweaters and scarves and not just be overheated. Uh, which is very, very exciting. Um, I love the idea of curling up under a blanket with a cup of tea and some fuzzy socks on. As I said, I am like pumpkin patches are basically my Disneyland. Um, I could spend all of my time in pumpkin patches and never get bored of them. I just absolutely love all things pumpkin. um, And the crisp air is just the most wonderful thing. And the leaves and I just... It's my favorite season. I love absolutely everything about fall. Um, So I'm very excited for fall. Very, very excited, as well as very excited for the books that are coming out. Uh, So the first book I'm going to talk about is called A Stitch in Time, and uh, it is by Kelly Armstrong. Similar to what Virginia was saying, um, Kelly Armstrong is one of those authors that I will read absolutely everything that she writes, no matter what it is. She is the author who initially got me interested in reading mystery books. I never read mystery before until she started writing mystery. And then I, I had to start reading mystery. Um, and so just having her come up with anything uh, gets me very, very excited. Uh, this particular book is a sort of build as a paranormal Historical romance, I think, are kind of the tags that have been used um, to describe it. It involves time travel, which I always really enjoy, um, historical fiction, as well as some sort of paranormal paranormal aspect to it. Uh, so this book revolves around Bronwyn Dale, and uh, Bronwyn Dale's family home, Thorn Manor, has always been haunted, uh, and it has always haunted Bronwyn, so as a young girl, Bronwyn could pass through a time slip in her great aunt's house uh, where she visited William Thorne. And William Thorne was a boy her own age, but born two centuries earlier. After family tragedy, uh, the house is closed up and Bronwyn is convinced that William existed only in her imagination. But now, 20 years later, uh, Bronwyn actually inherits Thorn Manor, and she discovers that she can, in fact, go back to see William, and when she gets there, he has been waiting for her. But he's no longer the boy that she remembers, he's difficult, Uh, his own life has been marred by tragedy and scandal, and he has exiled himself into his home in the manor. Uh, So I'm really excited to kind of see what happens with this story, Her characters, Kelly Armstrong's characters, are always really, really wonderful. Um, So I'm very excited. She always writes very strong female characters. Uh, So I'm excited to see what kind of character Bronwyn turns out to be. And yeah, I just, I cannot wait uh, to read it.
0: I think we are ready for another round of new books. There's just so much to cover. There's thousands and thousands of books coming out. It is so hard to choose five. Um, So I'm going to move it over to Fiona to get her second pick of the season.
4: Um, And I also already talked about two of my books, so I'm sorry. I'm ahead of everybody. We'll pretend that... I don't know what we'll pretend, but this this is my third book. (laughs) So... My third book is uh, The Barren Grounds by David A. Robertson. And it is a middle grade book. And it is being built as uh, Narnia meets traditional Indigenous stories. So that sounds pretty exciting. Um, It's about two kids, Morgan and Eli, who are Indigenous. And uh, they are in the foster system, uh, which causes them to feel very uh, disconnected from their heritage. Um, but in this foster home, they find uh, a secret door in the attic bedroom that leads them to another reality. And it's on the uh, the bare grounds. So it's very cold. And uh, I'm really excited about the cover because as you can see, there's a, a squirrel and a bear. Um, it's beautiful and also yeah, very exciting. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'm cautiously optimistic. I love, I follow uh, David A. Robertson's um, graphic novels pretty closely, and I love his graphic novels and his picture books. But the novels I've read of him, his, I've been a little bit disappointed. So I'm sort of like preparing to, to not be crazy about it but it's just like the concept sounds so exciting um so I will let you know how that one ends up going
0: we'll have to do like a follow-up episode sometime in January where we uh where we decide what we thought about all the books that we were promoting okay so the second book that I am going to talk about is uh kind of on Fiona's theme it is a middle grade book and it is Twins by Varian Johnson And pictures by Shannon Wright. Um, I'm really excited about this one because I really enjoyed Varian Johnson's previous books. This is his first graphic novel. Um, He did The Parker Inheritance, which came out earlier this year, I think, um, which I really, really enjoyed. Maybe last year, actually, which I really, really enjoyed. I think he's a a great author of middle grade fiction. He just kind of takes big ideas and big concepts and puts them in um, just the right spot, just just always gets it right in what he's talking about. So I'm excited about this one. Uh, This one is a graphic novel. So he has worked with Shannon Wright to, to do all of the pictures and they're looking great. And it is about, as you can probably guess, twins. So it is about two twin sisters and they are twins, they're best friends. And they always do the same things. So they always join the same clubs, they always enjoy the same food, they have the same group of friends, and they are each other's partner on all of their school projects. But they have just started middle school. And that is when one of the sisters, Francine, decides that she's no longer Francine. She's Fran. And Fran is cool, and she wants to join the course, and she wants to be the club president, and she wants to dress in fashionable outfits now, and she doesn't want to be really known as just Maureen's twin. So this is a story about growing up. It's about sisterhood. It's about kind of finding your own path, Uh, and it's about that kind of like you know, uh, that transition from being children into middle school where you're starting to grow up. Um, I think this is a wonderful, diverse addition to the the kind of graphic story, uh, graphic novels about middle school, about kind of growing up. Um, I love the cover, I love the characters so far, and I can't wait to read it when it comes out in October. Maybe like a bit of a birthday present for me. Just a birthday present.
2: I'm very jealous that your birthday is in October, Karine. It's Very the best balanced. month. It's the yeah. best month.
0: Um, everything good. Everything is spooky. Everything is crisp and cold. You
2: always think the trick-or-treating is just about you. Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 You go to everyone's house and they give you candy for your birthday. It's amazing. It's, it's the best holiday.
0: The best. All right. We are going to swing it over to Virginia for her second pick.
3: All right, of course, I have more fantasy for everybody. Um, this is my second pick, which is the Bone Shard Daughter by Andrea Stewart. Um, this is I picked this as a new epic fantasy series, and I pick it mainly because of the publisher. Orbit Books is one of my favorite imprints. It they do so many interesting fantasy series and novels. I also love how they pay attention to sort of a lot of the self-published offers and then they give them wider releases. Um, so a lot of the the fantasy series that are originally self-published is now published by Orbit. So it's it's great. Like they they do really, really interesting things. Um, so Andrew Stewart is a Chinese scottish american author so this is an asian inspired fantasy series um and the premise is that there is um like in the um, like the magic in here is they're all to do with bones the emperor who is the only one who could do this particular kind of magic demands a bone shard from every single person in his empire um so there's like a ritual that everybody goes through and we don't really know what he does with it, but it seems like he does engraving on the bones and that's how he create magic to power these like animal-like things that keep peace and allegedly keep everybody safe in the empire. And only he knows the secrets of behind this all bone shard magic. So the book have sort of two main point of views. We have his daughter, um, Lin, who is uh, supposed to be the heir to the throne, but her father is not really trusting her with the secrets, like, you know, and he's not telling her how this whole bone magic worked because something happened to Lynn and she can't remember anything from her childhood to about five years ago. Like she has no memory of any of that. And it seems like until she can remember all that stuff, her father is not going to tell her the secrets. So she's trying to prove herself to be worthy of you know as an heir and then we have the other main character um and he is sort of caught in the rebellion because like the the whole empire is is really restless like they're not happy the fact that they have to give a bone shard to like the emperor and so there's like like a rebellion brewing in there and uh, he was the one who smuggled one of the kids out before they can actually perform the ritual on him and so he's got kind of get caught into all the politics of it i don't know much more about the book but i'm really looking forward to this and sort of like fiona said on her cover she see a squirrel and a bear and that sounds promising apparently there's a talking animal companion in this book which i'm looking forward to reading um so yeah so this is bone Sharp daughter by andrew stewart coming out in september
0: that sounds great I can understand why people would rebel if they were trying to remove bits of bone. Yep, agree. Legit, legit. All right, Liz, what book do you have for us?
1: I have a book called Earthlings by Sayaka Murata, and that's coming out in October. Now you see this cute and cuddly hedgehog on the cover. It's by the woman who wrote Convenience Store Woman, originally published in Japanese and then translated into English you're thinking, oh, great, this is going to be a nice, light read. I'll be happy and warm and fuzzy after I read it. No, I'm going to tell you right specific demographic of listeners and viewers out there. Disclaimer, I have read an advanced copy of this book. Um, so I am here to warn you that if you are thinking that this is going to be another convenience store woman, you are terribly mistaken. So the premise of Earthlings, is uh, that Natsuki uh, is a child who has a very difficult life. She's growing up in a family who uh, doesn't really show her much tenderness. Um, her sister is favored, quite obviously. And and so she turns to her best friend, which is a plush toy hedgehog named Piat. Now, Piat has explained to her that he has come from the planet Poppupopia, And he's on a special quest to help Natsuki save the Earth. To add to this, her cousin Yu, who is her favorite cousin in the entire family, confides to her that he is also an extraterrestrial uh, and that he is always searching for the spaceship that will take him back to his home planet. So because of this, Natsuki ends up wondering if she might be an alien herself. Now... We move from Natsuki's childhood into her adulthood in the second part of the book, um, and she's still not she's still not satisfied with with her place on Earth. Um, she still remembers all of her conversations with you and with um, Piet about um, being from other planets. And um, Natsuki herself she feels like she's being forced into a society that's essentially what she calls a baby factory. So get married have a baby, quit your job, be a homemaker. And to her, she feels like, you know, this is, this is not the life for me. Um, if this is what humans do, maybe I am not human, as I suspect. So that might all seem kind of not particularly um, gory or gruesome or graphic, but I do want to warn you that this book gets really, really weird. Not for the faint of heart, I'd say, especially if you're expecting um, some kind of a slice of life book, this may not be for you. So I really enjoy this one, but I'm putting a caution on that. Okay.
0: That sounds so good, yay. I can't wait.
1: We'll have to start a book club for this one.
0: Yeah, warning received. But I, I mean, I really liked Convenience Store Woman, so I'm gonna give it a shot.
1: It's not Convenient Star Woman Part Two. <laughs> good. Fine. Fine. <laughs> hear
0: <laughs> I, I heard you loud and clear, Liz. Loud and clear.
2: All right. <laughs> good, good. All
0: right. Let's go over to see what Sadie has up next.
2: Okay. Uh, so, this one is actually the third book of a series. And uh, similar to Karina and Fiona for this round, it is a middle grade title. Uh, and it is Hollowpox The Hunt for Morrigan Crow by Jessica Townsend. And uh, this is in the Nevermore series, um, which follows, I'm not going to say too much about this specific book for anyone who has not read the first two books of the series, um, but I'll give you kind of the premise of the series itself. Uh, It follows a young girl named Morrigan, and Morrigan is unfortunately cursed. Um, She was born on the wrong day, and that means that she is one of the cursed uh, children Sadly, this means that on her 11th birthday, she has been destined to die. Um, Everybody who she lives around in her town, they're all pretty happy about this um, because a lot of bad things happen and because of her curse, it's obviously her fault. On her 11th birthday, she is provided with an out. And Morgan decides to take this out and uh, is brought to this alternative world called Nevermore and it is a world where magic exists, it is a world where she is no longer cursed, and it is a world where she gets to experience all kinds of absolutely amazing but also pretty terrifying things um, as she learns kind of more about why she is there and the abilities that she herself has. So as I said, this is now the third book of the series I absolutely loved the first two books. Um, I gave it five stars on Goodreads, the first one, which I don't often do. I kind of see it a little bit as Harry Potter with a female uh, lead, just because it kind of has the same premise of um, a young a young child learning that they have some sort of magical abilities, um, which I really like in, in books where that moment when you kind of learn that that there's more to life and there's more to to the world than you thought it was. Um, So, yeah, so if you that sounds up your alley, I would recommend uh, starting with The Trials of Morrigan Crow, uh, which is the first book. And then this is the third one, Holopox, The Hunt for Morrigan Crow. I'm very, very excited about it. I think, Virginia, I think you have read uh, these ones as well.
3: Mm -hmm. Very, very good. Mm -hmm. Very good. Mm -hmm.
2: Very excellent. All right. Swinging it back
0: over to you, Fiona. Okay, so I am on to graphic
4: novels. The next book I'm excited for is Swamp Thing, and it is written by Maggie Stiefvater, who is the author of The Raven Cycle, which is a YA series that I love. Um, Okay, and so this is a graphic novel, and it is also a reboot of Swamp Thing. So it is from DC. Um, The uh, pictures are by Morgan Beam, and I haven't... um, Uh, read any of their stuff yet so I'm not sure about the artist but for those of you who don't know Swamp Thing like okay so here's why I'm kind of excited because Swamp Thing is great I really like I love monster I love monsters I don't like horror but I really love monsters and Swamp Thing fits so perfectly in that sort of like campy ridiculous like he's a scientist who I think essentially turns himself into a Swamp Thing, um, and then spooks people, but he's not, like, a monster that hurts people, but he's very, like, dark and, like, broody. I haven't read anything recent about Swamp Things, so, like, reading back to, like, Alan Moore, um, it, it's, like, not the most complex, uh, which, like, I think helps with the camp. Like, it's very... It's just a genre that is, like, fun and spooky feelings to read um so because I like Swamp Thing but I don't feel like it's something that can be ruined I'm really excited um about this reboot (laughs) like I imagine it's just gonna be it's gonna be so silly and like probably not anything at all uh, like original swamp thing. But I think that could be that could be good. <laughs> and so um, essentially, it's about two twins, Alec and Wal- uh, Walker, and they are in a rural area for their last summer uh, living with their cousin. So it's, I think their last summer before college. Yeah. Um, and so Walker um, kind of inserts himself into the social scene and is like pretty well adjusted. Whereas Alec has brought this summer project to work on in the laboratory. And so he uh, is working on this experiment and the description says that will soon consume him. Um, It sounds great. It says it is a story of shadows, both literal and imagined, uh, and those that take from and haunt us. So great, creepy fall read that probably won't actually be that
0: creepy i like it i like it i also enjoy how you gave us a review of alan moore's swamp man kind of like snuck in there (laughs) so good um all right as my uh my next book is by kimberly brubaker bradley and she is one of my favorite middle school authors out there she has won the newberry honor i believe um she's the author of the war that saved my life and the war that i finally won which is a duology which i think is is beautiful and powerful and important and i think everyone should read it um and it looks like her her follow-up to that series is going to be kind of equally as groundbreaking and, and, and as important um her newest book that is coming out is called fighting words And it is about two sisters, uh, the younger Della and the older Suki. And they have had a rough beginning, um, but Della has always known that her older sister is there for her. Her older sister is there to protect her. So when their mom is sent to prison, um, Suki takes care of Della. When they are taken into custody by their mother's boyfriend and their boyfriend does something horrible, Della always has Suki. And when that boyfriend does something so awful and so terrible that they have to run away in the middle of the night, Della knows that Suki will always take care of her. Um, Suki is her protector. She calls her 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 wolf. But all this time, Della realizes that no one has been protecting Suki. So when Suki um, attempts suicide, um, Della starts to dig deep into what has happened in Suki's life while she has been busy protecting her own sister. And Della feels like maybe it is time to be loud and to be her own wolf for her own sister. So this is going to be a difficult read. It is talking about kind of the stigma around child sexual abuse. Um, It is not a topic that I would say has really been dealt with in middle grade literature. It is going to be a a heavy book. It is going to be a book that's dealing with the trauma of these young children. But um, what I think is so encouraging is that there, there are books being published on this subject for children. Um, so I think it's going to be a really, really important read for everyone. And I really, truly believe that in the hands of this author, that it could be something something amazing um, that will really, really have an impact on um, middle school literature for a long time to go. So that is um, fighting words. And I'm really excited for it to come out this fall. All right. Next up, we have Virginia.
3: All right. So taking a little bit of a break from fantasy, I do every now and then. <gasps> um, this, this I know, right? Every season I have like one book that is supposed to be like the heartwarming book. This might be it, I think. Um, it is called Set My Heart to Five by Simon Stevenson. Simon Stevenson is apparently a former Pixar screenwriter. So you can tell it's going to be all the feelings and all the tears, probably. Um, So the book is set in the future, in the year 2054, when Elon Musk has destroyed the moon. And uh, people are locked out of the Internet because no one can remember the password anymore. Um, And it's about a dentist named Jared. And one day, Jared was watching a screening of a classic movie because since they can't get on the internet, the only way you can watch movies is go to the theater to watch a movie. He was sitting there and he noticed there's something wrong with his eyes. Like, this is something happening. And then when the lights turn on, he realized he's crying. But he's not supposed to be crying because he's a robot. He's a robot that is sort of have like human skin and and, and sort of designed to be like a human, but he's a robot and he doesn't know why he's crying. So the book is about him heading out to find out, are there other robots like him that are feeling emotions? So the tagline for the book is, feelings can be a real pain, especially if you're not supposed to have them. And It is also called an existentialist android novel, which I'm all for. Um, Supposed to be a love letter to outsiders everywhere. And it is really about what it means to be a human being. So I'm looking forward to that. The author said that he wanted to write a book that is about a world that is that's gone wrong, but not like crazy wrong, like a dystopia. Like he doesn't want that, just a little bit wrong. And sometimes things, when things go wrong, it often goes wrong in a very kind of like an ironic kind of funny way. And that's kind of what he wants to capture in this book. And there's already a movie in the works um, by the people who does Scott Pilgrim versus the world. So I am looking forward to this. So again, it's called Set My Heart to Five by Simon Stevenson.
0: Oh now I'm super excited about it. It
3: sounds really. Is it cool?
0: Is it
2: Edgar Wright that is directing it? Yes.
3: So. Yeah, right. (laughs) Yes. So it's.
2: I love that Karina Fiona had literally the exact same response to that. that? (laughs) (laughs) We're pumped! We're pumped!
1: (laughs) All right, Liz. Well, to take it back slightly into the fantasy realm, um, I've got. My next book is The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue, and it's by V.E. Schwab. Now, I haven't read this author before, but the premise of this book sounded interesting to me. Um, It it sounds a lot like a movie that I have seen a couple years ago, and it's called The Life of Adeline. So, like the movie, which I'm pretty sure has no association with this book, um, in this book, a woman is granted immortality. So she's made a bargain, we don't know with who yet, to live forever. Now this has taken place in France in the 1700s. There is uh, another caveat to not just living forever, um, it's that she is cursed to be forgotten by everyone she meets. So this book, it's it's being billed sort of as uh, an epic that takes place across centuries, where we look at Addie's life as she lives throughout different periods of history, um, and basically, it comes to terms with how she essentially feels like she's not able to leave a legacy uh, at any point in time. However, after 300 years, so around uh, our, our present day, present time, um, Addie stumbles across a young man in a hidden bookstore, and he remembers her name. So I'm actually kind of excited about this one because of uh, sort of all the possibilities that it has, being kind of like a, a bit of a fantasy, a bit of a historical fiction, um, and then taking us into the present day and kind of coming to terms with, um, you know, what what would you what would you do and feel if uh, you know you lived for centuries and um, basically had to uproot your life every every lifetime or so.
0: And I think that's maybe one of Sadie's favorite authors.
2: I really like B.E. Schwab. Yeah. I've read her um, older, kind of her adult fantasy, as well as um, she writes middle grade fantasy, not really horror, but um, fantasy about ghosts. Yeah. Yeah. Under uh, Victoria Schwab as well, which, uh, yeah, I love. I like her. That is also on my to-read list for the fall. So I'm very excited. All right. Uh, so my next title, um, actually, I think that uh, Corrine first got me onto this series. And this again, this is now the fifth book in the series. Um, so again, I won't explain too too much about the specific book, um, but this one is called Murder on Cold Street by Sherry Thomas. And this is maybe you, did you get? I can't, I'm trying to remember if you got me hooked on this one, Kareen. I don't remember actually.
0: It could have been the cover because you are fond Mm -hmm. of books with women who are running away and then looking over their shoulders. I know,
2: right? I I pointed this out that two of my covers now have almost the exact same photo on the front of them, um, which is strange. So anyways, uh, so this is now the fifth book in the series. It's called the Lady Sherlock series. Uh, So it is a take on Sherlock Holmes, but with a female uh, protagonist named Charlotte Holmes. Uh, so it takes place in Victorian uh, London and kind of follows a similar format of uh, each book has a crime or a murder um, that this character, Charlotte, is solving. And they play a little bit with um, the idea that people will probably not listen to her because she is a woman. And so she finds ways to still solve these cases and kind of get her name out there without uh, people realizing that she is a woman. Um And this specific book uh, follows her friend, Inspector Treedles. And he has now been found locked in a room with two dead men. And he is now being accused of their murder. Uh, So I'll just read a little bit. It says that Charlotte finds herself in a case strewn with lies and secrets. But which lies are to cover up small sins and which secrets would flay open a past better left forgotten? So if you're into historical mysteries, if you like Sherlock Holmes and want a bit of a different spin on on the same kind of stories, uh, the same crime, mystery, murder, um, light, I I like to call it. I I don't do uh, heavy, heavy mystery, heavy murder, but this is more mystery light. um, Then I would definitely recommend this one. Uh, And again, that is Murder on Cold Street by Sherry Thomas. Um, The first book in the series is called A Study in Scarlet Women. Um, and that is the Lady Sherlock series. It's a
0: great series. It's such a good series.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Is good. anyone going to watch the Enola Holmes? Yeah. That's what I was going to say. The books are
0: great. The books yes. are very good. Yeah. So that's, yeah and it, it looks fantastic. Yeah. looks mm-hmm. so good. I'm very excited.
3: All and right. it's got 11 in it. So who cares about anything else? It's got 11.
0: Oh. Sorry,
1: (laughs) didn't care
3: for it.
0: Anyways, uh, I believe Fiona, this is your last book. So what have you chosen as your last
1: one? Okay, so my last
0: book is another graphic
4: novel. And it is an adaptation of The Witches by Roald Dahl. Um, So The Witches is actually my favorite Roald Dahl book, I think. If you're a fan, if your kids are a fan, um, just read this one regardless, but now there's a graphic novel of it, and it's, oh boy, it's not just one of those ones that's like, you know what kids like? Graphic novels. Let's like, let's make everything into a graphic novel, um, because it is, well, man, I'm so biased, but because, uh, Penelope Bajou is the, um, artist, uh, and she is a French graphic novel artist, um, who I absolutely love uh, she's California Dreaming is, uh, she wrote about, um, Cass Elliot of the Mamas and Papas. Oh my gosh. You will never think about the Mamas and Papas the same. Um, if you think about them at all anyway, um, (laughs) and she's also written one called, uh, Brazen, which is just like a collection of biographies about like, uh, strong women throughout history. So I really, really love this artist and I really love this book. Um, so I'm just so stoked and oh oh, yeah and I guess I should tell you so witches is basically about like witches are real and they're uh they're they're in everyday life you might just not notice them and they're very dangerous um they like to eat children and turn them into mice
0: that is great Fiona um (laughs) I'm so much more excited about the graphic novel than I am about the movie starring Angelica Houston which was like terrifying. Oh, but I love it so much. It's so bad, but it's so good. It explains a tremendous amount about you.
3: fame, <laughs> witches, Dracula. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All
0: right. Uh, I'm going to choose my penultimate pick as one of my favorite authors um, who I really like their standalones versus their series. Um, So this is the author of Uprooted. This is the author of uh, Spinning Silver. And this is uh, her newest book, which is coming out in the fall, which is billed as a brand new series for her. So I'm pretty pumped. And it is called A Deadly Education. And I am talking about one of my fave authors, Naomi Novik. So this book... um, I think it's like, oh, and I hate to kind of like distill it into this terms, but it's like Harry Potter, if Harry Potter met Hunger Games, so you went to a magical school if you had magic, but the only way to kind of graduate is not to get murdered. So a little bit more intense than your average high school. So it is set at the Schoolomance, a school for the magically gifted, where failure means failure of a permanent sort because you're murdered. And one girl, our main character, Elle, is discovering the many secrets of the schools because there's no teachers, there's no holidays, there's no friends at Schoolomance. There's only survival. And there's only a couple of rules to this school. One of them is don't walk the halls alone and beware the monsters who lurk everywhere. And... Elle is kind of uniquely suited to maybe be one of the few graduates of this school because she is a person with um, a lot of secrets. Uh, she's very powerful, powerful sorcerer. Um, but what her classmates don't know is that she is probably strong enough to level mountains and wipe out millions if she so chooses. So it's going to be a little bit of a, a, a knife Knife's point to see exactly how she graduates the school without genocide. Um, because it's Naomi Novak, I know it's going to be funny and interesting and it's going to make you feel all the feels. So I'm very excited about this one. She's one of the uh, fantasy authors that I always pick up when there is something by her. And speaking of fantasy.
3: How do you know I'm going to go back to fantasy? Yes, I am. I just know. <laughs> surprise um so always looking for new fantasy authors um and i think all of us are trying to read like more diverse authors and so this is one i again know nothing about um but this is not her debut novel this is a master of poisons by andrea hairston also first name andrea maybe that's that's the theme for the fall i guess um so this is an african-american author she wrote this book because she says she wants to write herself out of the hopelessness that we all feel as we are facing what's going on around the world. And that's kind of what she wanted to do. So I think this is going to be, unlike most of my other books, it's going to be like the hopeful, the hopeful kind of book, a hopeful kind of fantasy. Um, So in here we have like, um, like a poison that is basically like spreading all around the kingdom. And the king's advisor, the Jola, has been telling them that this is going to happen but nobody cares and it's, and it's now a little bit too late. So this poison is like killing basically everything that is in, in this vicinity and um, the Jola is trying to figure out how to save the world. And then we also have Ewa who's learning to be a, I think they call it a griot, which is a um, storyteller, um, a, a uh, like a bard you know, um, a poet and she's trying to, and with magic. And so she's sort of testing out her limits, um, learning her magic, not really sure how these two characters are going to, you know, meet. And uh, so I, I'm looking forward to it because I think this is sort of like, is the whole climate change, you know, like people that are not listening, people who are like, we're all trying to survive a world that we have kind of all contributed to and that there's uh, people in denial and that's kind of what he, she's dealing with is, is people who just don't believe that this is happening. And according to the publisher, there's going to be wild dogs. There's going to be pirate queens. There's going to be floating cities, protective bees, war horses, hungry elephants and angry rivers. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, so an African inspired um Inspire fantasy novel um and it's lots of um apparently she put in lots of folklore and she did a lot of research on that so looking forward to a new offer to read
0: that sounds great really really good so liz what do you have for us next
1: so i haven't read any memoirs lately that's one of my kind of go-to genres um, and i haven't really um read any food writing lately, so whether that be fiction or non-fiction, again, another one of my go-to genres. So um, this upcoming release called Eat a Peach by David Chang and Gabe Ulla. Uh, this checks off both boxes. So if the name David Chang sounds familiar, it's because he is a famous chef known for a restaurant called Momofuku, and you may have also seen him on Netflix. So he's got a show called Ugly Delicious. So in Eat a Peach, it's essentially his memoir of not just how he uh, came to be one of the most famous restaurateurs on television, um, but also about his upbringing um, as part of a Korean-American family in the state of Virginia. So in this memoir, he comes to terms with what his life uh, as part of an immigrant family, um, how that shaped him. Also, he... He's very candid and humorous as he is on television um, in this book about um, his struggles with mental illness um, and how, along the way, he somehow fell into becoming a restaurateur and how that's kind of um, saved him in a way um, and where he's going to go next. So, really looking forward to this one. Food writing, memoir writing, two of my great genres. That is a great pick.
0: He is a delight. A delight.
1: He is. No holds, no filter on television. So looking forward to the book version of him.
0: <laughs> that sounds great. All right, Sadie.
2: Okay, talking about no filter. I think this fits in very well. Um, so this is actually surprisingly a nonfiction book. Um, is my next pick. Now I do not read a lot of nonfiction, um, but this book if you know me, will make perfect sense. Um, so it is I Want to Be Where the Normal People Are by Rachel Bloom. So Rachel Bloom um, is most well known for being the writer, creator, and star of the musical dramedy Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. If you like musical theatre, if you like comedy mixed with a very, very real dose of um very serious topics. Um, they discuss alcoholism, they discuss mental illness, um, they have very diverse cast of characters. Um, I would highly recommend the show. Um, it is no longer on TV and it's unfortunately not on Netflix, but if you can find a way to get it, I would recommend um, watching the show. So she, Rachel Bloom, is uh, one of the creators of that show. She has a background in musical theatre um, and theatre and writing and comedy, and this is kind of compared in a way to similar books as Mindy Kaling, um, Ali Wong, and Amy Poehler have put out. So it is a series of uh, what they say is laugh-out-loud essays, all told in the unique voice, sometimes a singing voice, uh, that has made Rachel Bloom a star. Um, So Rachel writes about everything from her love of Disney, OCD, and depression, weirdness, and female friendships. Um, All to the story of how she didn't poop in a toilet until she was four years old. So as you can see, it's going to be a very unfiltered um, set of essays. Uh, The pieces they say are hilarious, smart, and infinitely relatable. Um, I'm very excited for there to be an audiobook of this, Uh, because again, I'm not a huge audiobook person, but the idea that some of these essays are going to be in song, uh, is very exciting to, to me to see what, um, what Rachel Bloom comes up with. Uh, I've seen her live um, in the Craziest Girlfriend live show, and she is an absolutely wonderful performer. So I'm very excited to see what her book writing is going to be like. So that again is I Want to Be Where the Normal People Are by Rachel Bloom. And I believe that is her actual dog uh, pictured with her there so great so excited yeah very excited coming out in november very excited perfect all right well we
0: have time for one last lightning round fiona you're gonna judge and of the four of them you're gonna let us know which one you are most likely to actually pick up in this last round of five are you ready fiona
4: yeah i am so ready
0: (laughs) okay i already know i'm gonna lose My last book that I'm going to talk about is We Keep the Dead Close, A Murder at Harvard and Half and a Half Century of Silence. So this is a nonfiction true story. Uh, It starts in 1969, so it's the height of the counterculture. There are student protests at Harvard. And this is also the year that the all-female Radcliffe College is being merged with the larger Harvard uh, campus. And this is the year that Jane Britton, she is 23 years old, she is a graduate student in Harvard's anthropology department, and she is found bludgeoned to death in her Cambridge, Massachusetts apartment. The case remains unsolved, and 40 years later, Becky Cooper is an undergraduate. So she is a journalist, and she starts to hear whispers of this story, almost like the campus legend of the graduate student who was having an affair with one of the professors. and then he he murdered her in the Peabody Museum of Archaeology when she threatened to talk about the affair. So this rumor has been around in Harvard for 40 years and Becky um, she eventually ends up being a journalist already has those instincts of trying to pick through what's the truth behind this and what is the rumor and what follows is I believe almost uh, 20 years or 10 to 20 years of her investigating this particular case and trying to get to the bottom of it. It is a tale of gender inequality in academia it is a tale of a specific time, so the 1960s. It's a story about empowered male elites, the silencing effect of institutions, and our compulsion to rewrite the story of female victims, so to place them in specific roles, if you will. So We Keep the Dead Close is, as the back says, a memoir of mirrors, misogyny, and murder. So uh, We Keep the Dead Close looks to be a fascinating dual story of uh Gender rules in the past in academia and in the present. All right, we're gonna flip it over. What do you think? What do you think, Fiona? You sold that really well. I actually
4: put it on my to-read list.
0: Yes, victory. (laughs) All right, take that, Virginia. Go for it.
3: (laughs) So my book is Canadian, Fiona. It's Canadian right that's all I'm, I'm done um so this i just saved the book like the that i'm most looking forward to the last this is one that i just read the premise i'm like i need to read this now this is called hench by natalie cena walscott mm, i don't know how to pronounce the word but it's called hench and Henge is like sort of the the sidekicks the henchmen of supervillains. so this is also comic also related to comic book world fiona it's not the henchmen that like you see when you're fighting alongside the supervillains. Those are called the meat. If you're the elite henchmen, you're called the filet mignon of the meat. But these are not it. We're talking about the main characters here are the ones who, who order the office supplies to do the admin work who troubleshoot your computer because even a supervillain needs someone to troubleshoot their computers when it goes wrong. So that's what this book, the characters are about. Our main character is Anna and she is doing freelancing. So she's like, you know, working with TAM agency and they would like suggest like assignments for them. Her specialty is to manipulate data. That's kind of her thing. And uh, most of these hench people have some sort of like there's a tiny little bit of like superpower for example like her her best friend june has like this really incredible sense of smell so they use her to develop things that that cannot be detected by like you know the the police dogs for example that kind of thing um and her but her specialty is data that's what she's good at and so she got hired by a supervillain called the electric eel and uh she's supposed to be doing like behind the scene work but she was forced to go on the field one day. It went terribly wrong. And she got really injured by the superhero who's trying to come and foil the the, the evil plan of the, of the supervillain. So as a result, she was injured, she was laid off, she can't work anymore. All her obsession now turns into like figuring out the kind of injuries that these superheroes cause in the world. Like, how much harm are they doing? As opposed to how much good they're doing and all the all the people that suffer, all the business, you know, all the all the damages, all of that, and all the data, and she's trying to use that against the superheroes. And so in summary, the book is like a young woman discovers the greatest superpower for good or ill is a properly executed spreadsheet. And so that, that's what sold me. So spreadsheet, yes. Um, so yeah, so that is uh my book. So Canadian, remember, Fiona, Canadian.
4: That sounds really, really great.
2: (laughs) I feel like that's not fair, Virginia. I feel like you just, that's, I mean, yeah. I feel like you've won right there.
0: All right. Take it away, Sadie.
2: Okay. I am very excited about this book. This is called Legend Born by Tracy Dion. Um, And this is a new to me author. Um, I think she has one other book out uh, before this, and this is a retelling of the King Arthur story. So I do love a good retelling. This is a diverse retelling features a young black woman named Brie Matthews. After her mother dies in an accident, uh, she wants nothing to do with her family memories or her childhood home. And then she learns about a program for bright high schoolers at UNC Chapel Hill. And she figures that that might be the best escape uh, to get away from her her trauma and her grief and her family. But then the first night that she is there, she witnesses a magical attack. Three things happen. Uh, She sees a flying demon feeding on human energy. She discovers a secret society called Legendborn. Born. Uh, which are students who hunt these types of creatures down. And she is approached by a mysterious teenage mage who calls himself a Merlin and who attempts, but fails to wipe out Bree's memory of everything that she saw. Because this mage failed, um, one of the side effects is that the magic actually unlocks Bree's own unique magical abilities and buried memories of her mother's death, which she starts to discover may be more connected to the legendborn society uh, than she than she thought or than she knew. Uh, so I'm very excited about this one. Again, a diverse retelling of the King Arthur story, uh, The Legend it says are revealed to be descendants of the King Arthur Knights. Um, so I'm curious to know what uh, Tracy Dion does for this story and how she kind of turns turns the myth on its head and and what happens not Canadian I'm sorry I'm sorry Sadie
4: had, Sadie had a tough a tough go because I'm not a big fan of retellings or fantasy YA yeah
2: yeah Tough sell. <laughs> it does have the tag LGBTQ it does okay I'll put it on my to read list yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right Liz are you with us do
0: you have one last chance for the Fiona Crown
1: I have a book called The Midnight Library by Matt Haig now Yona, can you see not see how beautiful a cover this is? It takes place in a library, surprise, surprise, and I just noticed that there is a cat on the cover, a kitty cat, headed towards the library, even though the synopsis makes no mention of any animals talking or otherwise. So the premise of this book is that Nora finds herself in the midnight library and she has the chance to make things right. Now, so far her life has not been a very happy one, and she has a lot of regrets, which is not an easy thing to live with. She feels she's let everyone down, including herself. But because she is at the Midnight Library, her life could very well change. So she has the opportunity to undo every one of her regrets and create her perfect life. However, as you can imagine, that might not be the best idea. So According to the synopsis of this book by the publisher, soon her choices place the library and herself in extreme danger. So not a, not a completely fuzzy feel-good book. Has a little bit of danger in there, which kind of saved it for me uh, and sold me on it. So maybe it will uh, be on your to-read list too, Fiona. Huh? Huh? <laughs> I mean, it's got the word library in it. And there's a cat on the cover.
4: Yes. Yeah. And only time can
2: tell which one I'll read first. Can we do an episode where Fiona just talks about all of them and decides which one uh, wins?
0: (laughs) I like that. And then whoever wins gets a little crown. They get to wear for the rest of the season. (laughs) Give me like six months. (laughs) (laughs) oh boy so thank you so much for joining us uh we really love sharing our uh fall picks with you there's so many to choose from uh we got through 25 books but it seems like there are hundreds more that we could have talked about that are coming out soon at your local library of course if you go to our webpage under new books you can see what is on order so what is on its way here zooming towards Port Moody at this exact moment We want to thank you all for watching and for sharing all the book love with us. Everyone get your, like, cozy, cozy, cozy cup of tea. Coffee. Coffee's fine. And we wish you a very happy Wednesday. And we'll see you next week for our next book chat. Cheers, everyone. And have a wonderful week. Bye-bye.
2: Thank you for listening. If you like our show, please tell a fellow book lover about it. You can find a list of all the books we discussed in our show notes. Join us next week for another fun book chat. Until then, keep it fictional.